Welcome to Canyon Hills. My name is Pastor Carlos, and before the message this morning, we just want to tell you about our mission trip that we just came back from in Juarez, Mexico. As most of you know, we planted a church about 13 years ago down in Juarez, Mexico, and we go there every single year. We take a group of men that you see up on the screen. There was 20 of us that just returned. We did a lot of construction projects. There's a lot of ministering, and God showed up because he's always there. He's present, and this morning, we just want to tell you more about it. So I've invited my friend, Tony Canzoni, uh, to come and share with you. Tony, it's at least his 10th time. I, I think you've been there more, but I'm going to at least call it 10th. So he has a different perspective, so I wanted him to share with you. Tony? Well, thank you, and good morning. I uh, truly was blessed that I got to join the first group that went out to Juarez uh, 12 years ago. And I know you're going to see some pictures here, and believe me, it's changed dramatically. And that is truly... Uh, testimony to this church and to the men that go each and every year and that the blessing that we receive from our congregation that sends us. And uh, I, I just can't tell you how what a beautiful place it is. Um, so I want to say my name again. It's Tony Canzoni, and uh, that is Italian, and you'll know why in a minute. But uh, I want to tell you how this starts. We start off by landing in El Paso, Texas, we get off the plane and we go over to the baggage claim. And it's there that we, we meet and greet our group of guys that have gonna be on this, on this trip. Even though we're all up there, we, it, that's our first time where we're kind of getting together and hugging each other and saying, here we go. And of course, Pastor Sergio is there, along with Carlos, and uh, this year it was Terry De La Cruz who was there in advance setting everything up. And I, every year I see Pastor Sergio hugging the men of Kenyon Hills in a way that is undescribable. It's a love that is, is deep in his heart. It's almost, uh, almost disbelief that the men of Kenyon Hills continue to return to war as year after year. And it is such a true blessing to him. And I will say, when I went 12 years ago, I was going my wife says, to save the world. Not really, I mean, sort of. In, in my mind, I was thinking, I'm going to help. The truth of it is, is I got my socks blessed off by going. And I continue to go back, not because I have any great talents, because Carlos will attest to, to that. <laughs> I love tools, but I'm not great, great with any of them. Um, but uh, there is that moment when I meet eyes with Sergio, and it's the same words that come out of his mouth every year, and it's, Tony Canzoni! <laughs> and I'm gonna give a shout out to my family who's here today. My brother Mike uh, went this year for the first time, and his son Brian, my nephew, and also my son Christian also went. And uh, I, I, it's my brother Mike who I grew up my whole life saying Canzone because I didn't want people singing my name. And uh, as I grew up, I, I figured it out. But uh, So when I hear Sergio say my name, and he does multiple times throughout the trip, he sees me, it's Canzone. It's a beautiful thing. And he is a beautiful man, and I, and I just pray that each man here um, can someday meet him if they haven't, and, and hopefully pray about joining us. Um, another real quick uh, 
Carlos said we could take as much time as we need, so settle in. <laughs> uh, every year, Carlos, we do a debrief, and Carlos will bring up something that for the first five years bothered me a lot. I, he'd say, you know, this group is never going to be together again. And I'd sit there and think about that. And by then, we've all bonded. We've become close. Um, the relationships you know, that we make here are great. But something happens in Juarez where we work together, and we spend days together, and we joke with each other. We don't zing each other, but we, we joke with each other in a friendly way. And those relationships and bonds become greater. Um, so that part bothered me, and then it wasn't until five years in where my wife Tammy came with my twin boys, Christian and Connor, and all of a sudden God plunked me on the head and said, you know, this is the blessing of all this. The fact that the group is never going to be the same means that more people are going to share this experience. And we have a motto here, it's, um, it's not a place you go, but a people you love, and, and that truly is the same when we go to Juarez. It is a people we love, and that's why we go back. Um, so, just in closing, I, I do want to say each and every one of you, we have spring break time where, where families go. The love that we receive there, we go to help, but truly we all get blessed beyond belief, and that's why we all go back, and, and there's a very happy group of people there that, uh, that have very little, yet their love is great and their faith is strong, and we all learn a lot from them when we go down there each and every year, and that's why we, we go back. So thank you. Thanks, Tony. Thank you. I want to just tell you one quick thing about the men that go, because I think this trip has taken on a life of its own, and uh, people that want to participate. We, had a, we have a guy that used to come here. His name is Rich. He moved to Las Vegas because he's a sinner, but he doesn't need to know that. But he flies from Las Vegas all the way to El Paso to be on this trip. And we have a guy from Tennessee, because his wife used to go to Juarez a while ago. She's a veterinarian. And now they got married. Now he goes, and he's been going for his, this is his third year. So we have people flying from all over the country to be there. And one of the guys that went there for the first time, his name is Tom. Uh, he's a little nervous this morning, but it's his first time going on a mission trip altogether, let alone Juarez. So I wanted him to give you his perspective. Tom? Thank you, Carlos. Um, yeah, I, Carlos asked me to speak. I put together this beautiful, beautiful document. It's about four or five pages long, 14-point type for old people. Came up here and realized I didn't have it, and I kind of freaked out a little bit. So I'm going to try to be a little bit more calm this time. I'm not going to stomp around the stage like a caged animal. Um, so I guess the first thing was why I went. Um, and it was really easy for me to go to Juarez. Uh, God's blessed me with the, the resources, I guess, to get there, right? And, uh, you know, Pastor Carlos is here every Sunday working with us, trying to save us. And I have so much admiration for him. And uh, so when he asks for something like that, it's just an easy decision for me. Um, and then the other thing was, and I wish I could say there was some big scripture altruistic thing that I had and I didn't um, I guess I just looked at it it was the right thing to do um, again I'm blessed I think a lot of us are very blessed and uh, the people more is they don't have much um, there's dirt streets and potholes and 
houses made of cardboard and cinder black and, you know, old discarded tires holding the roof on and stuff like that. They don't have much. And, and so it seemed like the least we could do, do is go down there and, and, and share our, whatever we can give to them. So that's where I went. Um, Carlos had asked that I share something, uh, uh, a moment. And uh, it was when, it was at the service. This is actually the last day, and we're doing Sunday service. And uh, Pastor Sergio got up, and he had greeted us, and he told us how thankful the community was that we were all there. And, uh, and then he said something that I didn't expect. He said, we're not thankful because you just came here and knocked all this work out and got a bunch of things done. We are thankful because it's through acts like that. When you bless us, God in turn blesses you. And it's because of these actions that God is going to bless Canyon Hills. I hadn't really thought about things in that perspective. And then I thought about it some more. And I thought about how I was blessed on this trip. And it came in the form of these gentlemen that went with us, that we went together. And uh, I guess what, what I'll say is, I, at best, I'm not a great Christian. I'm this Christian with, on training wheels. And I, and I have way, 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 way more questions than I have answers. And I sometimes get mixed up in trying to find out what those answers really are. And... Uh, but two men had the courage to speak up at a devotional and during the Sunday service that I guess made me feel like there was more hope for me. And uh, the first gentleman spoke during a devotional, and he talked about his growing up and going to church and going every Sunday and just going because you had to and not feeling anything. And, and I related to that in my past, not, not, not here. And I... This feeling that you just go and you're, and you're judged and you're here and, I don't know, like never measuring up and not feeling like I had any kind of relationship with God. And when he spoke about that and then his transformation, again, it just gave me hope. It gave me something to, to hold on to. So, well, maybe no one else in the room appreciated that. I did. And so thank you for blessing me with that. Second moment. There was a young man, meaning younger than me, not a kid, but young man, and he spoke up during the service, and he gave a testimony, and he spoke about his struggles with drugs and alcohol and pornography and other things, and I thought to myself, whoa, that really takes some guts, because why those things are very prevalent in society, and they're all around us and tempt us, whatever, to get up and say, hey, I have a real problem with this, but I rely on God and he forgives me through all these things. That was a, that was a comforting message because sometimes I feel like the things I do are a little bit unforgivable. So those things really blessed me and made me feel like it was really worthwhile. And if you have the opportunity to go, I would su suggest that you do. I didn't go there thinking that God was going to speak to me. I went there because I felt it was the right thing to do. But yet he blessed me. And hopefully you can go and be blessed in the same way. Thank you. Just so you know, it was his first time, and all the rookies, we just make them dig.
but he was promoted. He got to paint all weekend, so that was awesome. The Canzoni clan, uh, they were in charge of installing mini blinds, and that's, that's really important because there's classrooms for children where the sun was just glaring through, and it gets to be over 100 down there, so you can imagine the heat inside the classroom. So that was a big thing, which sounds easy, but try drilling into cylinder block or foam, and it took all weekend to finish all those classrooms. Another guy that's been there for the was there for the first time, his name is Daniel, and I want him to share with you as well. Daniel? Thank you. Morning. Um, so, uh, my wife's filming, so I threw me off, sorry. All right. Um, so, in going to Juarez, so I was, I was uh, on the air conditioning, the AC unit team. Um, and so, I was working with Terry, um, installing uh, the AC units, and about probably five minutes in, after I picked, like, the, he kept asking for certain tools, and I was handing him the wrong ones. He said, are you, are you handy around your house? <laughs> and I said, uh, well, I work really hard. And so he was OK with that. So I just worked hard, and uh, what he needed. But um, you know, why did I go to Juarez? So I, I've been uh, challenged. Um, I've been going through a challenge our family has uh, for a little bit of time now. And I've been praying about it and not getting the answers or the timing um, that I wanted um, uh, in terms of God's response. And with some nudging from my wife, um, you know, this looked like a good opportunity where I could kind of get out of my own head and, and go and help people that were less fortunate and, um, you know, give my time. And so the, that really was my expectations. I'm going to go, I'm going to help install these AC units, and then I'll return home. Um, but as these guys have mentioned, the trip was, you know, much more than that for me. Um, the, the love that the people have down there, the kids, uh, the, the adults is, is something to see. It's pretty amazing. Um, they've got a lot of faith in God. Um, they're very joyful. And, you know, there's something uh, indescribable about serving people um, with so much faith because they just give it all back to you. Um, constantly, uh, kids were walking up, um, uh, adults, you know, blessing us, thanking us, and not just thanking us like, you know, we thank each other in our daily lives, but truly being thankful and happy for us and, and, and hoping that we had um, good things ahead in our lives. And, and you, you guys mentioned it, but the way they would pray for us um, was something I hadn't experienced before, and it was, made me feel a little guilty, to be honest, um, how great they were. The kids would run up, you'd be working, and they'd poke you in the back, and you'd turn around, and you couldn't see anybody, and they'd be this little kid, and they're just excited you're there. Um, they really like California. I don't think probably most of them, all of them, have never been here. Um, but that was the word that I'd always pick up on. They'd be like, California? And I'd be like, yeah. And they'd, they'd get all excited and go run off. And um, So, um, you know, it, it occurred to me, it took me a while, it, probably a few days after the trip, um, I finally got it. You know, and looking back on the trip, I realized that, you know, I wouldn't have gone on this trip if I didn't have those challenges uh, that I was facing. I, I know I wouldn't have. Um, and it was because of those challenges, um, and I, I don't have it all figured out, but um, maybe because of those challenges, um, I was supposed to go on this trip because God's plan for me was uh, to grow closer to him um, first before he deals with the stuff I, I want him to deal with. Um, so, you know, growing closer to him through this trip, um, you know, I know my stuff will get done on his time and, and when it's ready. 
Um, but it was just a, it was a great, it was a great um, time. And, you know, for the work that I provided for those people, um, what they provided me is so much more. Um, and then quick story, one, the last night that we're there, they have a, they have a community potluck and, and the, the women there, you know, cook their best for you. Um, they're not just cooking like their everyday meals, they're cooking everything that they can give you. And that's what they can give you. They can give you food and they give you a lot of food. It's really good. Uh, they had a community potluck. Everybody brought food um, to celebrate the work we had done and just to be together and, and share. Um, there was a little girl, probably eight or nine, who had written, we all got one, uh, almost all of us, I think one person ran out of one. But uh, we all got a handwritten letter from this little girl. Um, they were all different, they were all unique. Mine was the best one, I thought. Um, but they were just blessing us, blessing our family, thanking us, you know, wishing us success in our lives. And she wrote it much more eloquently than I can describe it. Um, but it's something that I'll keep, you know, I'll keep forever, but as a reminder, that, that these people are, are giving everything they can give, right? So she wrote this letter, because um, that's what she can give. Um, you know, for us to write a letter, that's not all we can give, but it's still a nice gesture. But this is literally what she could come up with to think of to give us. Um, the people cooking there, uh, the men that, that didn't have to work on those days, a lot of the men have to go and work, obviously. Um, the men that were there side by side building with us, uh, praying over us. Um, they're giving everything they have to give. And so it really challenged me, not only to go back to Juarez next year, but between now and then, what are some of the things that I can do to serve? Um, you know, in, in my community, in, for the church, um, where can I lend help? Because I was blown away by how much more I got out of it um, than I expected. I just thought I was gonna help them and that was it. But I, I actually walked away, I think, with a, with a uh, better relationship um, with God and made some great relationships with people down there. So, um, and I'll just, we had a devotional. Um, I'm not going to go through the whole devotional, don't worry. But there was a, um, a piece of scripture that was shared with us, uh, and it, it's kind of stuck with me about Jesus um, and the way he served. Uh, so Mark 10:45, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Thank you. Thanks, Daniel. I just have you know, know that that note that he's talking about, mine was four pages, just so you guys know. I'm totally kidding. It was just one page as well. Um, here's what I would like you to know. We, we did a lot of projects, but as you know, it's not really about the project. It's about what God is calling us to be and do as a church. And you participate in that because some of you have gone. You guys send us. You commission us out to go. You give faithfully so that we can go, so that one of our core values can become reality, which is to unleash compassion. And the last thing I'll leave you with is just kind of take a look at some of the projects we actually did as Pastor David comes up.
Thank you, Pastor Carlos and the Juarez team. Appreciate you guys. So today we're launching a new six-part series, and it's called Bad Religion. And it's really a look at all the Christian theologies that have sort of moved us. They're not quite right, and they've moved us from uh, what the way we treat people and the way that we act on in this world that's just a little bit off. And the first one I'm jumping into is end times theology. And we're starting off with a song that you may or may not know. It's kind of this creepy song about being left behind, and it goes like this. recognize that song? How many of you know it? Such a great song, right? You know, two people alone left behind, one, you know, just dead now, and the other one in heaven. It's just a little bit off. It's a little bit odd in a way. It comes from, I knew it from DC Talk. Do you guys remember DC Talk? Raise your hand if you know DC Talk. I'm just making sure that I'm actually in the right room. Okay. So it really, that's how I knew it. But then I looked into it, and it's way older than that. It goes back to the, er, the late 60s, early 70s, a guy by the name of Larry David Norman. And he was a real theologian, if you will. Just kidding. He was not. One of his most famous songs was, Why Does the Devil Have All the Good Music? And then he wrote this song, and like I said, I just, he didn't know, I don't think he was a theologian on end times theology, and yet we took this song and began a whole process of how we believe what happens in the end. Then came along the Left Behind series, this is 16 books, all bestsellers on New York Times um, book lists, however that works, 80 million of these books sold. So this is a huge money-making franchise. They made four movies out of it. My wife tells me she went to a Christian school. They made her watch all these movies. Then they remade them again. They just did it with Nicolas Cage. Uh, Not his best work, but he is in this series. And then they came out with a video game. It was called Left Behind, Eternal Forces. So make sure you all go out and pick that up. And, you know, it's no big deal. It's a fictional series. It's fascinating, except it's really defined our view of the end times in the Christian world. And this is a new view, and this is important to understand. This is not how theologians or philosophers or all of them thought about the way it was going to end until the 70s, 80s, 90s. And just because something's new doesn't mean it's wrong. It just means you should probably take a closer look at it. What exactly is it saying? Where this song came from and a lot of these books came from, you can find in the Bible, of course, because the first question we always ask is, well, isn't that in the Bible? All that stuff that they talk about, the the bulls and the horses and the wrath and just all that stuff, isn't it in the Bible? And isn't it being left behind in the Bible? And the answer is yes, you can find it. It's right here. Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 17. If you have your Bibles, we'll be in that chapter the whole time. So, and if you're on the edge, would you do me a favor and pass the basket of pens down, and you can pull out your notes at this point, and open up your Bibles to Luke 17. So where do we find it? Jump down to verse 34. I tell you, in that night, there'll be two in one bed, one will be taken, and the other 
left behind. There'll be two women grinding together. One will be taken and the other left. There it is, right? Obviously, the one taken is the one that gets to leave this planet and the one left behind. We can now judge as they probably had you know, bad things that they were doing in their life. They were an evil, evil person. The whole thing comes out of this. You don't want to be the one left behind. Until you read the next verse. So if you keep reading one more verse, it says this. And they said to him, this is the disciples talking to Jesus, where, Lord? Such a good question. So one's taken, where? Where are they taken? I love the disciples. They always ask the obvious question. Where the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. Okay. So it sounds like where they're taken is where the dead bodies are, and then vultures are going to be going over their head. That doesn't sound like the greatest of vacations to the heaven and mansion that we've all been promised, right? Yet, this has been taken so far out of context. Why? Well, let's jump back a few verses. Go to verse 20, the kingdom of God. So being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed. Whenever you see in the Bible the kingdom of God, most theologians will jump to end times theology with it. Same with the return of the Son of Man. And so right here at the beginning of this chapter, you feel like they're talking about the kingdom of God. But think about what he said. It will not be observed with signs. There's not something you're going to see. There's not a way you're going to know in which this kingdom of God is happening. He goes on, verse 23, look there or look here. Do not go out or follow them. This is a section of scripture where he's talking about these messiahs or they're going to say they're messiahs and people are going to start following them. And if you read history books, a lot of that happens right after Jesus Christ. And then in verse 26, it goes like this. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. If you read the same story in Matthew, it's interesting. It says, the flood came and took them. Again, taken is not what you want. In that case, what, the ones taken are the ones that are taken by the flood. The ones actually left behind are in the ark, saved and brought through the flood. Over and over, what you're going to find as you read these scriptures is you don't want to be the one that's taken. Being taken was not a good thing. So if you look at history and you read about this time period, you'll find that the Roman Empire has taken over the world, if you will. And the way that they take over the world is they come in and dominate, and then they leave. But they say, this is what you're going to do. This is how much you're going to be taxed. This is how you will follow us. They'll put someone there. You can do your thing, but you better stay under control. Because if you didn't stay under control, what they would do, because they, they weren't into nation building. We've learned the hard way how difficult nation building is. Like the United States superpower could probably take over any nation. And then we, and we could probably do it in a few days. And then we take 20 years trying to figure out how we leave that nation and try and leave it in some sort of city behind, right? Maybe? Maybe, I don't know. We really haven't figured it out. And it's because we're nice. 
We are, we are kind, kind people. The Romans, they weren't very kind. So they had figured it out in a different way. What they would do is they would come back if there was any sort of insurrection, and they would just start grabbing random people, including going in houses, pulling one out of the bed, leaving one behind. They would go to the mill where the, the two ladies must be grinding something. They would grab one and leave one behind. They'd pull them up on the side of a mountain, put them all on crosses so everyone could see, then make sure they're dead by jabbing the stick up into their heart, throw them in a hole, and then their loved ones, how would they find them? There'd be vultures circling that particular area. They would go up, get their bodies, take them down, and bury them properly. We have stories of this throughout our history books. In 66 AD, you can read about 4,000 people being taken at random and killed and thrown in holes. That's how they handled when a city or a group of people would get out of line. So knowing all of that, you come back to the story and go, what Jesus is actually doing is saying, because you're not willing to follow, because you're not, you're not understanding who's here, what's happening in this moment, this is coming. This is coming. And you don't want to be the one that's taken. Now, I get it. When we talk about heaven, it's really out of a love. We get to leave this place we get to go to a place to be with God. There's no sadness there. There's no crying there. We have songs about just how wonderful that place is going to be. And I probably even have used in my telling of people about Jesus, you know, you can, you can escape. You can have a place of peace and there will be justice for all the wrong that's been done to you. And we talk about heaven this way, but it's actually a theology called escapist theology. And when we use it, we're actually saying the idea is this world is so bad that you get to escape it someday and be with God in heaven. And as I, much as I get it, this escapist theology is not what we want to be following. Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 8. What you're going to find is that the rest of the Bible, when you get away from some of these end times theology things that are not quite right, the rest of the Bible tells you about how to live while you're here. In Matthew 8, we find that the, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he's telling them all the ways not to be a hypocrite. So he's going through several things, and he gets to the Lord's Prayer that you may well know. And what he's saying is, don't be like the Pharisees. See, the Pharisees are doing these loud, huge prayers uh, they're long and audacious, and basically these prayers are saying, look at me. I don't want you to pray that way. So he's continuing on telling them, this is how I want you to pray. I want you to say this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Just stop there. There's so much more, but stop there. On earth as it is in heaven. So what he wants us to pray every time we pray is that heaven would be on earth. God has called us to bring heaven to earth. And if you think about it, we preach that in every other sermon. Every other sermon is how to be Christ in this world, how to show people Christ with your life, right? How, how can we make this world like Jesus? How can we be the hands and feet of Jesus? Think about the core values of this church. Pursuing Christ, equipping Christ's followers, 
in unleashing compassion and building community. What are all of those things about? Bringing heaven to earth. We want to show people Christ through our actions. You heard uh, Tony mention our motto. Our motto is not just a place you go, but people you love. That's about showing who Christ is here on our planet, bringing heaven to earth. So if we're living out these truths, then we're going to be showing heaven on earth. Now ask yourself, is that you? Is that what you're doing? There's really two types of people in this world. You have person A. So person A looks at this world and they still haven't found what they're looking for. And they're struggling and trying to figure out what this world is all about. Because it doesn't quite feel like it's supposed to feel. They still haven't found what they're looking for. You see, they see death. They see destruction. They see wars. They see famines. They see atrocities of life. And you know what they say? I can't wait to go home. And it sounds right. I can't wait to go home. I get to be in heaven with my God. Because we still haven't found what we're looking for here on earth. We travel, we attend church, we have families and parties. I mean, we try to make the best of it. We even go out and we serve. But it's never quite that fulfilling that, 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 that hole being filled inside of us that we know it's supposed to be filled, we still haven't found what we're looking for. So we believe in heaven. We believe in God. We believe God's going to return. But we wonder why. Why do I have to wait? Am I in a test? Is this all a test? And so is God this master puppeteer doing his thing, and I have to Make sure I, I'm the monkey doing the right things at the right time so that I can finally make it and get this mansion in the sky. I mean, is that really what my God would want me thinking about why I'm here? That I'm running a test for him? It, it doesn't make sense. Why do some in this test are born in Christian countries, others are not? Some are born where they hear about Christ and there's a church on every corner, and some are born in places where there's nothing like that. Why would that be the case? And if I'm going to follow this theology of I get to escape if I do the right things, why would I recycle? Why would I care there's going to be a whole new planet for us, a whole new heaven? Why would I care that ice is melting? So what? I mean, if ice is melting, does that mean we get to go to heaven sooner because our world's going to be destroyed? And if that is the case, every earthquake and tsunami aren't those good things. I get to go sooner. Every mass shooter, genocide, people dying... What does it matter if I, I'm just trying to escape? And the sooner that we're out of here, the sooner thing, people die, the sooner we get to leave. Do you see how this theology heads down a very, very dark and bad path? A path that doesn't quite fit with who our God is, right? So we have to be careful when we start taking on this kind of theology. Am I just waiting to be taken from this horrible, horrible place? And I know people believe like this because we write songs about it. We write so many songs. In fact, I was going to play a lot of songs that are like recent. I just wasn't sure everyone would recognize them because there's so many songs about suicide. There's so many songs about this place being horrible. And I can't wait to get out of this place. And then we write Christian songs that say very similar things. 
So I know this is a true theology, and if we head down this path, we have bad religion. Now, there's another type of person. So the other type of person looks at the world very differently. They look at the other scriptures which fill these pages that talk about this heaven that we're supposed to bring to earth and how our life is supposed to bring heaven to earth. And you can feel a difference in your life in this planet. Now, the way this one rolls is we're, we understand that we are the difference makers, that we have been created for purpose, that we are fighters for good. And we can feel it on the wind tonight. <laughs> See, Christ's hands and feet are us, and his original plan was to walk with us in a beautiful planet and to have a relationship with us and to see and experience life with us and that you and I would be the ones to experience the best and show the world the best. We were going to cultivate and love everything about this planet, the people, this world. And this is God's original intent. And over and over, he sends people who know it and can feel it to be the difference makers. Can we feel that? Are we leading the way in what the Bible says, in turning our cheek, in forgiving, in trusting God and for our daily bread, knowing it's enough, loving one another, caring for the least of these, sacrificing for others, showing who Jesus was? Does it remind you of all the rest of the Bible? Did you know in history, it was the Christians who would go in when everyone else was running away. Look at the plagues of our history, and you will find the ones that went back to those diseases where no one knew how to heal them. As everyone else ran away, Christians went in knowing they would die from it to love and care for those people. Every time there was a tyrant or some leader that was awful, it was Christians that would stand for the oppressed. Christians would go back and fight. They were known for this. Martin Luther fought for free speech against the church, which was fascinating. He stood up in a time to say, we need less government. We need real democracy. We see that the, the, the Christians were the ones that fought against England and everything that was happening with there to create a free nation where you could worship. It was the Christians who chose to go to foreign lands knowing they would die, knowing that the people wouldn't understand them. And still went and went and went and built homes and schools and brought water and nations. They're still doing it. You just had a group up here talking about Juarez. And I guarantee you that whenever any of you went to Juarez and you were telling people, I'm going to Juarez, someone would say, I'm sorry, did you say Juarez? Have you seen the movie Sicario? I mean, why would you go to Juarez? And yet over and over, we see Christians as the ones who step out and push into areas that no one else will go. They're the difference makers. And like I said, the idea of end times theology being the wrath of God destroying this world as we get to escape, that is a new teaching. It came out in the 19th century. The old teaching was that the Christians were making heaven on earth every single day. So... Does it feel different? Does it feel different the way that people think of Christians today versus 
50, 100 years ago? I think so. I think it's affected and made us into what we'd call bad religion. I pulled out an old Quaker book. I don't know if you know, but Friends Theology, uh, or Friends History goes back to the Quakers. And I have about 10 of these really old books about Quakers. And so I pulled just one paragraph that struck me the first time I read it. And it goes like this. This is from The Quiet Rebels. It's nice to know your history. And your history is you are part of the quiet rebels of our Christians. It says, early Quakers, social reforms and the treatments of the Indians, the Negroes, really old book, prisoners and the insane are still creating ripples of change. Quaker testimonies for equality and against violence grow out of a Quaker belief that there is that of God in every man. Every person, according to Quakers, is worthy of reverence, and each has within him a seed which will illuminate his conscience and will help him to grow spiritually. When John Woolman, a Quaker abolitionist, urged Southerners to free their slaves in 1757, or when the Quakers went to the Nazi Gestapo to plead for the Jews in 1938, it was in the faith that the capacity for change exists always, even in the heart of the oppressor. And it goes on and on. This whole book's about showing how our early, our early Christians, what they fought for was to bring heaven to earth. They knew what was wrong and they fought against this. Just like it says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what is the view of Christians in our world today? Is it more like person A or person B? Write this down, if you will. People will notice Jesus when we act like Jesus. People will notice Jesus when we act like Jesus. That's how the nations heard about him. That's how this message spread around the world. This is what Christians need to know us for. They need to know that the church is full of people trying to bring heaven to earth. This last week, some of you have been posting a video that's been a shocking example of God. If you don't know this story, it's uh, from Dallas, Texas. A female police officer came home after a long day of work, and as she entered her apartment, a man was in there, so she drew her gun because she was a police officer, and she shot this man. Then she looked around and realized that she had walked into the wrong apartment. You can listen to the 911 call. She is freaking out, and she's saying, I'm done. My life is over. I I have ruined everything. So the man dies, and she's taken to trial. And this video is the dead man's brother talking to that cop that shot her brother. Watch this. I hope you go to God with all what, all the guilt all the, things, the bad things you may have done in the past, each and every one of us may have done something that we're not supposed to do. If you truly are sorry, I know, I can speak for myself, I, I forgive you. And I know if you go to God and ask him, he will forgive you. And I don't think anyone could say it. Again, I'm speaking for myself, not even bad for my family. But I love you just like anyone else. 
can. I'm not gonna say I hope you rot and die just like my brother did, but I see I I personally want the best for you. And I, I wasn't gonna ever say this in front of my family or anyone, but I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you. Because I know that's what that's exactly what both of them would want you to do. And the best would be give your life to Christ. I'm not gonna say anything else. I think giving your life to Christ would be the best thing that both of them would want you to do. Again, I love you as a person. And I don't wish anything bad on you. I don't know if this is possible, but can, can I give her a hug, please? Please? Yes. So we're supposed to bring heaven to earth, and we are the bride of Christ, and he is coming back for us, and it's going to be awesome. And maybe it is super scary, and he's shooting lasers out of his eyes, like all these end times things that are, people are writing. Uh, that's not really the point. <laughs> it could be just like that. But the point is that bad religion is when we become so obsessed with escaping this world and just waiting to go to this mansion in the sky when God has told us we are here for a reason. God has described over and over that we are supposed to be Christ's hands and feet in this world and bring heaven to earth. The church, the church can do this. You and I can do this. We are that change. Bring heaven to earth. Let's pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in this room and you don't know this Christ that wants a relationship with you, that loves you and wants to walk with you in the here and now, yeah, heaven's a part of it, but he wants to be with you right now. If you're in here and you haven't discovered that, you don't know this Christ, will you just raise your hand and say, that's me. I need this Christ. I need this change. I need it right now. Just lift it up. Secondly, if you're in this room 
and you need to shift from person A to person B and start being that difference maker who God's called us to be. Lord, I pray for those making that shift. Just begin to share with him how that's going to look in your life, how you're going to daily look for ways to show Christ. It's in these little things and sometimes really big things, things of forgiveness that we can't even imagine. Lord, let us show, show people you through our lives. Lord, we love you and we give you this time. In Jesus' name, amen.